Hello and welcome to episode number 23 of the Profit Podcast with me, your host, Matt Robinson. Today, we are talking about one percenters in your fitness business and how you can use those to really level up things that you are already doing to increase the results that you see. So this builds nicely on the last episode that we did where we interviewed Rich Hopkins and we talked all things sales. He mentioned within that episode this idea of one percenters, things that you can do once you've got foundations in place to increase sort of your return on investment when you're doing things regularly and want to level up the results that you get from those. So we're going to dive into some of those today with some examples of how you can implement that into your business right away to increase the amount of sales you get and increase the amount of leads, increase client retention and all of those things. It builds on this theme that we've had all month in September around business building and the fact that the gyms are busy and things like that. So all the information in this episode will be viable and useful year round, but with it being the time of year where the gyms are super busy, let's implement this stuff straight away. And as always, if you need any of the show notes, you'll be able to find them over on the Matt Robinson blog at mattrobinson.blog forward slash zero two three. So head on over there to find out more about this stuff and more about profit personal training in general. Let's dive right in. The Profit Podcast. So before we dive into some of the specific examples that we're going to go through today, let's just do a little review of what a one percenter actually is. Now, in the last episode, episode 22 with Rich Hopkins, he talked about how when you're doing some of the foundational things really well in terms of generating leads, like talking to people, building rapport, building relationships, there are certain things that you can do to build on top of that to increase your results. So a one percenter is something that you do that's just a, a small extra amount of effort on top of what you're already doing that can really impact the results that you're getting. So when I'm talking about these one percenters today, we're doing that from a place of thinking that you're already doing the basics well, okay? So you've got to be doing the basics well first. And if you want to know what those basics are, please listen back into episode number 22. And there are show notes for that episode as well over on the blog. So check those out. And in the show notes for that last episode, I actually included all the one percenters that Rich Hopkins actually teaches within Profit. We're just going to pick out a few specific examples of those today. So if you want to see the full list, head over to mattrobinson.blog forward slash zero two two, and you can see those there. Now, what Rich did is he sort of pulled apart the sales process into seven steps. He, he, he realized that there were seven areas to the sales process when it comes to personal training. So he's taken each of those in turn and looked at how we can increase each of those areas by 1%. And that's what's listed over on the show notes from last time. So today I'm going to take a few of those because we didn't get a chance to do this in the last episode in full. And we're going to go a little bit deeper into those, give you some specific examples, give you some stuff you can implement right away, and then give you some real world examples of how I've used this within my business as well to give you an idea of what it looks like. So Let's jump into number one, and this is all in relation to the actual lead generation process and how you can increase that by 1% or do 1% more to massively increase the results and benefits you get from already doing that basic stuff. Let's have a look at that one. So when we look at lead generation as a whole, there's lots of things you can be doing. And in the previous episode, Rich Hopkins talked a lot about that, and he talked about the 1% for that area being tracking your leads so making sure that you've got some form of system to track those leads so that you know where you're up to with those people and that you know your numbers in general you know that you, you've got an idea of how many people you need to talk to 
to generate consultations or trials and then how many consultations or trials you need to do in order to generate an actual sale or a new client. So that's how he talked about the 1% within that area. What I'm going to add into that is the idea of a, a follow-up system. So once you are tracking these leads and once you've got an idea of where people are at, how many people you need to talk to, what what we can do then is we, we can use that leads list to have some sort of follow-up system with those people so that even if people weren't that interested, let's say, three to six months ago, there is a way of you still being in touch with them now so that if ever they do become interested or the time is right or they've suddenly found access to the funds that they need to invest in the training you you've always been top of mind with those people so a couple of ways you can do that number one every now and then you could just drop these people a little text just to see how they're getting on you can say to them hi it's matt just checking in to see how you're getting on you know i'm not seeing you in the gym for a few weeks just wanted to see how you were um, i know that when i last spoke to you you were working on this i just wanted to see how you're getting on with that and that's it. That's all it is. It's just you reaching out to check in with that person. It might be that you have these leads on some sort of email list that they've opted in for. Um, again, make sure that you understand the implications of GDPR and things like that. But if they're happy for you to send them some sort of ongoing email that might help them out in regards to some articles that they're interested in or just some tips and advice that you write yourself, then that's another perfect example of how you can stay in contact with these people and just follow up with them over time. The final thing I would say with this in terms of follow-up is just go and speak to those people again in the gym. The amount of times that trainers go and speak to someone once and then believe that that person isn't right for PT or doesn't want PT or will never want PT is unbelievable. I've I've had examples where I've been speaking to people in the gym for like two, three years and then at some, some random point in time, they, they come up to you while you sat in the cafe having a brew and say, oh, I could really do with some help. Is there anything you can do to, you know, have a look at this for me? Or, you know, can I take you up on that offer you offered me a while ago? And that offer might have been offered like a year ago or something like that. And and it's very easy to forget that people's, you know, ability to get involved in training and that changes over time. The priorities change over time. It might just be that they had a busy period of life at that moment when you spoke to them and it wasn't right for them. But it doesn't mean that a that a no is a, a no forever. It's just a not yet. It's something that can change over time. So that's our first one percenter. It's looking at what you're doing in terms of your lead generation, making sure you've got some form of tracking in place so that you know your numbers. And then from there, having some form of follow-up system in 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 place so that you can keep on top of these leads and make sure that you're in regular contact with these people. To this day, I still have that form of tracking system in place in my business and I've been doing this nearly nine years now. It's something that I rely on and therefore, if any of you are, are newer trainers out there still looking to build your business, it is absolutely imperative that you do the same because it's something that I, I rely on every now and then. You know, When the random point in time comes up where someone leaves or moves on or moves away, it's always nice to know that you've got that list of people that you can refer back to and make sure that you've always been in touch with and see if they're ready to now get back involved with some training. So that's the first one percenter that we're looking at today. One percenter number two is in relation to your actual consultation process. And again, we're going to assume at this point that you are relatively good at delivering consultations and you have a, you have a system in place. So we're going to assume that you do a really good job of hitting all the basics of what needs to be done in a consultation process. If you don't feel like you do that yet, then that's your first port of call. Spend your time and energy just practicing and practicing and getting better at your consultation process. Once you do a good job of that, there are a few different ways you can improve that. But one of the ones I like to use is to have 
an example of a person that is like the person sat in front of you to show them what their journey might look like. Because what we've got to remember is, is when someone sat in front of you, they might not believe or be able to see what you can see. You know, you can see this person sat in front of you in six months time, being two, three stone lighter, being able to do X, Y, and Z, and getting involved with all these events and blah, blah, blah. But the person sat on the other side of the table might not be able to see any of that because they've never been able to achieve any of that at any point in time. So what I think works really nicely now as part of a consultation process is to give them an example of someone similar to them in whatever way that has been and done what this person is hoping to achieve and obviously giving them that connection that this person achieved all of that by working with you. So it might be that you've got a woman sat in front of you and she's, you know, she's got a busy corporate job. She's got a couple of kids. She's got a husband. She might be middle-aged and she wants to lose X amount of weight. You might have a client that was in a similar position that has now achieved a result that you can use as an example. And with that client's permission, you can maybe show the before and after pictures. You can maybe show the measurements. You can maybe even show them a little testimonial from that person. And this works really, really well. Previously, I used to show clients lots of testimonials and lots of before and after pictures, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. You can have a little book of these, and that works well. But the problem is is that these days, we, we're actually quite used to seeing these images a lot. We see a lot of before and after pictures and that just on social media, just on websites. You know, If you go to any sort of fitness website, they're there. So what I think works way more powerfully is if you have a very specific before and after per picture for that person that's in front of you. Now... In order to do that, you obviously need to know a little bit about this person ahead of time. So what I would do is, is I would make sure that when you use, when you do a phone call or something to book this person in for a consultation or you speak to them in the gym, make sure you find out a little bit of information about them. What job do they do? Do they have any kids? Do they have a husband? Do they have a wife? You know, is there a sport that they play? Is there a sport that they used to play that they can't anymore? And then what you can do is, is match that person to someone similar who you already work with and share their journey with them. And what that does is it just paints that picture for the person ahead of time of what their journey might look like if they commit to you and your process and your accountability. And then one day, who knows, you might even be able to pair this person up with the example that you showed them if you're looking to build semi-privates and things like that. It's always nice that it feels like they've been introduced ahead of time, even if they haven't in person. So that would be my next one to look at as a one percenter. When it gets to your consultation process, see if you can find a specific journey or testimonial or before and after from clients that you're currently working with or have worked with before that you can show this particular person. And rather than showing them 20 before and afters and just brushing over them, show them one very clear uh, example of your work that is similar to them and go into a bit of detail as to what that person's done and achieved and sort of some of the struggles they had along the way and things like that. To me, that will have a massive impact on that person and make their decision-making process a lot easier and a lot clearer in regards to, am I able to do this? Am I capable of getting these results? And when they see it laid out in front of them, someone very similar to them has, has, has achieved the same thing, that should make that a lot more simpler and a lot clearer in their mind, which then makes the decision-making process much easier as well. So that's 1% to number two. 1% to number three is in relation to handling objections. So this is one of the sections that's on the list that Rich Hopkins sent me, but we didn't get a chance to go over in his actual interview. So I thought it was worth diving into. So assuming that you do a good consultation process, you've delivered all the information well, 
the person in front of you is interested, but for whatever reason, they throw an objection up at you. There are lots and lots of different things that you can do, but I just wanted to share one of the one percenters with you that I've sort of harnessed over time and, and got better at and something that does require a, an element of confidence. So there is a an experience side to this where you just have to go through it and learn it along the way. But for me, one of the best things you can do when someone throws up an objection is get very, very clear with the person about what that objection actually is. So for example, the most obvious objection you're going to face is money. It's finance. Someone's going to tell you it's too expensive or you know they can't afford it. One of those variations they might say to you. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certain situations and scenarios where that is 100% true, where the person sat in front of you would absolutely love to work with you, but just simply cannot afford to work with you. And that is absolutely fine. One thing I would say with that is, is that don't think that that will always be the case because that person's situation can change. So it's still always worth staying in touch with these people. And if you've got other training options for them where you can pair them up with someone else to make it cheaper or get them involved in some sort of group program that you've got, get them to bring a friend along, whatever that is, maybe start looking at that as an option. But what I would say is, is that there are many occasions where people use finance as a reason or an objection, but that isn't the actual true objection. Um, and I had this not long ago myself, and it was actually a client that was looking, that was already training with me, that was looking to stop training. Um, and when I asked her about it, she mentioned finance. Um, and I, I, I said to her, right, okay, you know, talk to me about that. So she said, oh, you know, it's, it's just getting a bit much, blah, blah, blah. And I knew deep down that that wasn't the real reason. Finance was not the real reason for this decision at all. There was something else going on. And I think intuitively you do get these feelings when you're in a consultation process as well. Even if you don't know the person very well, you can get a feel for whether this is a genuine reason or not. So I just asked her the question. I just said, is that the only reason? Because it feels like there's something else here that might be an issue. And what, what the actual issue was is that she was really struggling to commit to seeing me twice a week. That's That was the problem. So it wasn't the money at all. And it wasn't even the money to pay for twice a week. It was more the time commitment around training with me twice a week that she was struggling with. But because earlier on in the process, I told her about the benefits of training twice a week and how much better that was, she just decided in her head that if she wasn't going to train twice a week, it wasn't worth training at all. So we worked through that. We sat down and we talked about it. And what we decided in the end was is that she was going to commit to once a week and when time allowed, she was just going to do the additional sessions when work allowed or when home life allowed because there was a particular busy period that was coming up that she needed to get through. So we changed the way that we trained for that period and then just went back to normal after that. But if that same scenario had occurred a few years ago, I'd have just completely lost that client or it had been a client that I never signed up in the first place if this was in a consultation scenario. So this is something to really dig into with people is that when they use finance as a as an objection or as a reason not to train, accept it, go along with it, and maybe just ask the follow-up question, is there anything else that's holding you back right at this moment in time? Especially if you're sat there believing that that might be the case. You know, this person's never mentioned that money might be an issue before. You're fairly certain that they're the type of person that can normally afford personal training. All these things... If you've got those feelings, it's worth sort of digging a little deeper because it might just be that there's something in their way, a small barrier that's holding them back. But to save face, they're just saying, oh, it's it's money. It's money that's the problem. 
It might not be that at all. It might be that they just don't believe that they can get the results. It might be that on some level they believe that it won't work for them. It might be that they're worried about the time commitment. It might be that they're worried about letting you down. It might be that they're worried about what other people might think about them having a trainer. You know, we've, we've just got to help people work through this ahead of time and make them understand that it's completely normal to feel that way. Many of your other clients have felt that way before, but what they have found is that when they do X, Y, and Z, they get these results. So that feel, felt, found can all can work really, really well as a little system to use with people so that you can take them through that and help them understand what it looks like when they actually train with you. So that's 1% of number three is that when we follow up with people, at the end of a consultation in relation to the objections, just making sure that we get the real reason that that person cannot commit at that time and then maybe get a mini commitment from them about a, a future date. You know, can we revisit this in three months time if there's something in the way at the moment? Can we revisit this, you know, next year? Is there, some, is there a point in time at which you want me to follow up? That might be another thing you can do. So there's a couple of ideas there around this one that might really help you build on these consultations you're already doing and see better results off the back of those. 1% to number four is in relation to actual client care once people have signed up. And it's something that we've talked about before in previous podcast episodes. It's something that we've talked about very recently. It's something that in ProFit has been at the forefront of the ongoing education that we've been doing recently with trainers. And this is to have some sort of client relationship tracker or business one pager or something where you can take a quick look at your business on one sheet and understand where you are up to with everyone. So I know that for regular listeners of the podcast, you'll have heard me talk about this before, but hopefully you can understand that that's for a very, very important reason. If you've got this in place, it makes your life so much easier as a trainer especially when you get busy and you've got 20 to 30 people that you're looking after, it becomes very difficult to know where you are, where you are and where you're up to with people and genuinely know every time that you step into a session with that person, what is our purpose today? Why are we here? Why is my client here? What is it that we need to be working on in, in this moment right now? You might have an idea of where you're up to in the bigger picture. You might know that this person's working towards X amount of weight loss or you know, a 10K run or some sort of charity event, that's fine. But do you know what today is all about? Do you know why you're here today and why they're here today and what needs to be dealt with today? What What's important in the moment? I believe the only way you can do that is to have some sort of system in place where you track that on a weekly basis or maybe even more frequently with than that, depending on how good you are at these types of things and how good you are at remembering these things. Because everything is all about context when it comes to clients that client's big goal will have been set at a moment in time where their life looked a certain way. And now three months in, their life might look completely differently. And you've got to put those goals and those actions into context in that moment in time. So let's take an example. I've got a client that I'm working with at the minute. We've got clear goals in place. We know what she's working towards. We're both very, very certain about what the training should look like, what the nutrition should look like and where we're going. And we've had this in place now for quite some time and she's been doing very, very well. Recently, she's found out that a very, very close member of her family has got cancer. Someone directly related to her has got cancer, has ended up in hospital, is receiving treatment and, you know, it's clearly going to have a massive impact on her life. Now, it might sound a bit obvious for me to say that things are going to change in relation to 
what she's able to do from a psychological standpoint that she's going to have little barriers in a way she's might not be as committed to things as she was before and it's easy for you to work around that for a few sessions when that news is fairly fresh but let's say after four five six weeks of, of that client coming in and training with you you might genuinely get to the point where you forget that that's what that person is dealing with at that moment in time and you are then at that point doing your client a disservice because you still need to bear in mind that although this person might be now coming to terms with that news and might be handling that situation a, li a little bit better or a lot better, you still need to have that within your remit of when you give them advice or when you give them things to go away and work on. It's all got to be within the context of are you able to do this based on what you've got going on right now? Because I know that obviously you've got the, the situation at home with the medical problems with your parents or whoever it is. You know, we, we need to put that into some sort of context. For me, it's very difficult to believe that anyone can do that when they are looking after 20 to 30 clients. So you need to have a way of tracking that and knowing where you're up to with people so that once you know where you're at with clients, you can track it over time and you can reassess it over time. And you can put the actions and the goals into some sort of context. Because like I say, when you first sit down with someone, it's in the context of where they were at that moment in time. Things change constantly and we need to work around that for clients. It's not their job to just do it for themselves. We're here to help them figure out solutions to those problems. So number four, one percenter, and that's the last one I'm going to cover today, is to have some sort of one pager or client system in place where you track people. Um, I have got an example of this on the blog. So if you go to mattrobinson.blog forward slash zero two one, you should be able to find that on there and you'll be able to download that um, and get access to that. Just a blank version of what I use and implement it straight away into your business. Okay, so that's all for today in relation to the one percenters that I wanted to touch on. I've not gone through an exhaustive list because I wanted to pick out four very specific ones that I felt this audience can use right away and implement in their business and see the benefits of that. There is a full list over on the show notes from the last episode, so you can check that out at mattrobinson.blog forward slash 022, where I've put in there the ones that Rich Hopkins talked about um, and the seven key areas of the sales process. You can see how he's broken down the one percenters for each area there. So take a look at that. That's very useful. There will be show notes from today's episode as well at mattrobinson.blog forward slash 023, where you'll find a little bit more detail about the ones that I've gone into today. So that's everything for today. I wanted to build on what Rich went into last episode because I think it's very easy to get someone on like Rich, let him talk about a subject and then just move on in the next episode to a completely new topic um, and maybe get someone else on or someone different that's exciting. But the reality is, is that Rich went through a lot of stuff and we did that in a fairly short period of time. I know it was an hour long, but it's a short period of time to learn a lot of that information. And I just wanted to take the time in this next episode to build on some of that and make sure that you've got some of the depth required around some of these topics so that you know how they work within your business and what they potentially look like. I would recommend that even if you've listened to Rich's episode already, go, go back and listen to it again, because now you've listened to this one it might put some more of the stuff that he talked about into context, especially around this idea of one percenters. I think there are a lot of people in this audience right now that could get a lot of benefit from having done some of these one percenters. You've got a lot of the basics in place. You know what it takes to generate leads. You know what it takes to make sales. You know what it takes to sign up clients and look after them. 
but what are these extra 1% that are going to take all of that to the next level and make your life easier and make your client's experience that, that much better? So it's important to look at all of those. As always, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us out massively in terms of getting discovered by other people like yourself or share this episode with a particular friend if you know someone that would really benefit from this. Until next time, the only other thing I would recommend you do is that if you have got any interest at all in finding out what ProFit personal training are up to, or if you've got a particular interest in qualifying as a personal trainer or joining our team, if you are already qualified, then please visit pro-fitpersonaltraining.co.uk. You will find a link to a jobs page on there where you can find out more about our level two and level three courses, as well as what it takes to apply to become one of the members of our team. Until next time, take care of yourself and I will catch you very soon. Take care. The Profit Podcast.